0: Alright. And are we recording? Yep. Awesome. Okay. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Chicken Drummies. Thank you for joining us today as my friends and I talk about anything and everything to our heart's content. My name is Lillian and let's see what we can drum up today. I am joined today by a member of the Ladies and two-time microscope wrangling champion, Sarah, who is the best sister we all wish we have. Hi Sarah, thank you for being here today.
1: Hello Lillian, I'm so happy to be here and I am honored
0: and didn't even know that I was worthy of that t- that title. A two-time microscope wrangling champion? I mean, you are um, currently in a master's program and you've been working on some pretty tiny stuff,
1: right? Oh yes, 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 that is correct. Yes, the microscope <laughs> lab that I taught six times in the last three weeks. <laughs> now I know what you're referring to.
0: How do you like it though? How do you like teaching kids? I like it a lot. Students that are about our age.
1: <laughs> yeah okay don't even get me started with how many times I've called them kids. Um, we have a class all the new TAs in the biology department. We have a class where we talk about different like teaching methods and then we also talk about we like talk slash rant slash seek advice about our TA experiences and mm-hmm. all of us say like my kids are and then we say I mean students because some of them are our age and some of them are also like married with children. Is so that wild? Yes, it is. And sometimes yeah. you can't tell either until somebody's like, my son. I'm like, you're what? <laughs> but, anyways, yes, I like it a lot, actually. Um, it's like very rewarding when you feel like you've helped someone understand something. Um, oh, absolutely. It's frustrating when your students don't try as hard as you would like them to so it's kind of like a balancing
0: act between like I don't know you want to feel like a proud mom but at the same time you're just like why can't you be better
1: yes kind of yeah <laughs> like last but it's kind of, it is a balancing act because you do have to like take the little wins as you get them like for example uh last week all of my students submitted their assignments on time for the first time this whole semester wow. and that was like that was like noteworthy enough for me to go to my class and be like my students all turned in their assignments on time
0: oh that's fantastic how many students do you have
1: 34
0: <laughs> that's a pretty that's a pretty good number yeah for yeah. all the students to turn in your assignments on time yeah i'm definitely guilty of turning in an assignment late on occasion but um i would say i'm generally a pretty okay student
1: well it's hard it's also like first of all this is a 2000 level class so it's kind of like the equivalent of us taking like bio 211, 212, or 213. So they're all like freshmen and sophomores. And of course, we're in a pandemic. So that's something that we're also talking about in our classes. Like we have to kind of be understanding that the pandemic is taking a lot out of students, maybe physically, maybe mentally, maybe emotionally. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah.
1: And I I didn't take classes online uh, spring semester, but you did. So maybe you could talk about your experience. But I've heard that Zoom University is actually like way more mentally taxing than being in school sometimes.
0: I do, I do have to say that I, okay, I need to admit something. I thought that I would be a really, really good online student until Zoom actually happened. And then I realized I cannot absolutely do like any of the online classes. Um, and I think one of the main reasons is that I get too comfortable at my own home and sometimes when you have to like um go to like a very mentally draining class i'm not gonna name names but it starts with a p and it ends with (laughs) isx oh my god! i can't even imagine it's a mentally taxing class that you have to sit through while you're still in the comfort of your own bed you're like wearing very comfortable clothes and i definitely come from a very um privileged standpoint too because like um thankfully all of my family and friends are still pretty healthy and they're not entirely affected by the pandemic um, on a personal level. But um, it gets really difficult if you have, you know, family or friends, you know, that are currently sick from it. And being in an online class is like the last thing on your mind, you know? Yeah. And I feel like a lot of professors, um, a lot of professors are very empathetic uh, during times like these. But there are also those professors that just assume that every student is like me, where um, we just kind of chill at home and do nothing except for going to online classes and they would demand students to, you know, somehow work just as hard or even harder when classes were still, like, in session in person. So, yeah, spring spring semester was also my final semester um in undergrad, and that was when the pandemic, and then on top of, like, senioritis, and then on top of, like, just everything, you just want to be done, you know? So, it was, it was definitely a rough semester, but at the same time, it was also, like, the the most relaxing semester i've had thus far because i literally don't have to do anything else besides going to very draining classes.
1: Yeah, so it does feel like maybe physically it's easier because you can just stay and yeah, theoretically everyone loves to just not everyone, but i would certainly love to stay at home and be in my room all day, but it mm-hmm. does eliminate that like physical boundary between like the place where you can relax and the place where you're supposed to like exert all this mental energy. Yeah. And you know, you could say, oh, I'm going to do my work at the dining room table and then I'm going to relax in my room. But then it's like in the morning at 8 a.m. You're like, am I really about to go get out of bed right now when I don't need to? Of
0: course not. I'm like shaking. I'm like shaking my head. I'm just like, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> I tried doing that and it didn't really work.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then it's and then it goes further into this like psychological thing where you're like beating yourself up for not having enough discipline.
0: And then yeah. it's just like
1: never ending. Yeah. terror. Yeah.
0: We are so critical of ourselves. And I'm not saying this to like excuse any like lazy behavior or whatever. We are literally in probably one of the most chaotic times of our like of 2020, if not our lives. Um and jeez, that sucks. What, you we, don't like it? Shouldn't... You chaotic Lillian? I like chaoticness when it's like not harmful. Okay, yes, fair. That's very fair. Uh, what well, do you do you just imagine me being like Elmo with the little flames in the background? <laughs>
1: Yeah, with like your evil laugh. Yes, exactly. With the
0: flames in the background. You're like, I'm in my element. I'm in my element. I love it. No, 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 no. I absolutely do not like this pandemic because then the pandemic takes away the chaoticness from me. I'm just like, wow, I am being out chaotically performed. How dare. So you still but have no. to be,
1: you have to be in control of the chaos
0: in order to enjoy it. Yeah, because I want the chaoticness to still be somewhat comfortable and, you know, being being fun. You know, I don't like the pandemic for um the same reasons that everyone else doesn't like the pandemic. It disrupts everything that you want to do. It disrupts like your your life tempo and like it affects your livelihood at points, you know, like some small businesses are being heavily affected by the pandemic, yada yada yada, you know, bad things, bad vibes all <laughs> yeah. around. Yeah. It's bad. It's it's mm-hmm. pretty awful. Yeah. So no, I don't, I don't, I don't enjoy the pandemic's chaoticness, cause that chaoticness does not vibe with my chaoticness.
1: I saw a tweet the other day, and it was like, "Happy six an- six month anniversary to quote, we uh, 'We're just gonna quarantine for two weeks and then go back to normal.'" And I immediately oh, had man. like a, I had like a that's so Raven moment where she like has a vision, and so I got like transported back to March when it was like, "Yes, I don't have to work for two weeks. I'm so excited to just like stay home and
0: then we're." S- <laughs> still there we are moving on from undergrad to grad school and the pandemic is still not over when you put it in that perspective this pandemic has been going on for forever yep forever
1: it's very discouraging but yeah that's like the one thing i'm thankful for about this year is like at least i managed to get into grad school and even though grad school's a beast of its own that it's like oh what am i getting myself into at least that's like a productive thing that happened from this year.
0: Mm -hmm. When did you know that the pandemic is getting out of hand or when, when was the oh no moment for you? (laughs) I think it was maybe like, like three weeks
1: into the pandemic where it was like, mm-hmm. oh, we just have to keep like extending it by a week and a week. I'm like, well,
0: nothing's changing. <laughs> and at this so point, it's, it's past, it's past your ah, two week vacation. And then like, right after that, you're just like, oh, <laughs> shit, this is actually real. <laughs> yeah. So
1: I started to notice that like, that was when the group of people emerged that were like, I don't want to wear a mask. Like we need to just get on board with the herd immunity thing. It was kind of Mm. after the initial wave of panic. Um, First, I was just annoyed because everyone took all the toilet paper, even though it's a respiratory disorder or like respiratory virus. That doesn't make sense. And then, and then it flipped to me being annoyed with the people who were like rejecting the science. And, And then it's, it's really just been a state of annoyance ever since then, because like even looking today, uh, I really need to stop going on Twitter first thing in the morning because it, then it just sets the tone for the rest of the day. But like, oh, it's
0: so awful. It's so awful,
1: especially with a certain uh, chief. What's his name? What's what's the office name for president? I was trying to like give a better political <laughs> name for it: chief <laughs> officer, chief executive chief. What are you talking about? I'm talking about what the name of the, okay, the president of the United States is going and saying, you know, like, (laughs) um, people get, hospitals get more money because, or hospitals get more money when they diagnose people who died as dying due to COVID. And just like every day, it's like a new thing that is undermining what experts, i.e. scientists know about it. And somehow Mm -hmm. people want to act like they know more than the experts when they
0: just don't. Yeah, that's actually genuinely terrifying because I had a conversation with um, with a certain someone just not too long ago, um, while in the middle of me working too. But uh, we were, well, um, she was talking about how, basically she was talking about how a lot of people aren't giving our president enough credit for doing the things that he can. And when she said that, I, I immediately went, Wow, standards are low today, huh? <laughs>
1: <laughs> what credit does he deserve to get? I don't
0: know. I don't know. I don't know. I uh, I asked, and I was I asked from a genuine concern and genuine curiosity standpoint <laughs> because I've I rarely talk to Trump supporters because it's like they usually have already have their mindset on mm-hmm. um, their political opinions, and quite frankly, there's very little. Used to talk to them about these things, or like at least like try to um, try to like convince him to come to the other side or whatever. That other side being like having scientific facts and um, broadening your perspective, and yeah, having empathy. But whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it was it was it was a little bit confusing. And like after we had our conversation, I had to like Google is is it healthy to talk to a conservative Republican? But yeah. You know, <laughs>
1: It's also really hard because, I mean, I am speaking from being pretty much the only left-leaning person in my family, my immediate family. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It's really hard to, like, gear yourself up to have a conversation with someone who might, like, very well belittle you and act, Mm -hmm. like, super condescending toward you. Like, if I – I I would love to be able to, like, debate my stepdad, but – I'm afraid of him like talking over me and saying that I like drank the Kool-Aid and I don't think that I could ever change his mind anyway. Yeah. So I would rather just not feel uncomfortable and shitty rather than I actually I actually do have
0: him. a I actually do have a question for you um because uh we we talked about this in the past before and you uh, and just as you said you came from a a pretty conservative household. So And you said that like you um, before you started talking about politics, maybe like in um, the last few years of your um, last few years of high school or like when you started entering college, you were um, what we would probably consider as neoconservatism. And you have been you have wonderfully or maybe (laughs) I don't know, um, you have turned to being a liberal Democrat, would that be accurate? Would that what I I say? I'm still
1: painfully ignorant of like what the terminology is. So
0: what's the difference between? Me too. They're always so they always sound so interchangeable when they actually are not. Um and I've never got a chance to like figure out um the difference between left leaning and right leaning versus like conservatism, liberalism and republican versus democrat. But um just like a general sense you definitely have moved on to the other side oh yeah i just say like
1: i was right like my family's right wing and i'm left wing or left Mm -hmm. left
0: leaning i mean i'm Mm -hmm. left i'm left let's just say that Mm -hmm. and um i'm just going to say outright that like sarah you are a Caucasian woman in America I am
1: how did you know that?
0: <laughs> I have a little, like little spy cam somewhere uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding but um do you do you ever feel like you were peer pressured into turning to their side because of um the conversations you've had with your peers, or um do you think that you um you turned to the other side for your um, on your own accord?
1: I would definitely say that it was me um because I felt like. Basically, all throughout high school, I built my political views based on the conversations that I had with mainly my stepdad, because he's a huge politics person. So mm-hmm. I formed, like, if you want to think of, like, political talking points, like freedom of speech, being oppressed mm-hmm. or whatever, um, abortion, pro-life, pro-choice. I kind of got all uh, immigration. I got all mm-hmm. of those thoughts from my stepdad. So one very right Sided uh, Perspective of things Um, And then also As we know like in pop culture And the general Experience of life It's not necessarily um, Left favoring When you're growing up especially um, Especially in terms of like The way they portray Black people in the media Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. other marginalized Groups of people So uh, what was your initial question <laughs>
0: Oh my question oh, oh. My, yeah whether or not you were whether or not you feel like your political views have been influenced or peer pressured by um like I would say like democrats or like liberals um versus whether or not you have um you have come to have these political beliefs based on um your own research or um like Just like your basic moral compass, I would say.
1: (laughs) Yes. Okay. So this is the big difference. So in high school, like I was right-leaning and I definitely felt like I was the minority even at my high school. Like I remember Mm -hmm. we had a debate about the death penalty and I was one of four people in my class who was like for the death penalty. And Mm -hmm. I definitely, I totally understand the conservatives view of like, they do feel it is easy, not justified, but it's easy to feel like you're being you're the underdog and everyone's like trying to attack you for your beliefs because you're in the minority. Right. But that doesn't, that didn't make me want to be like, like I didn't want to be pre pressured at all. Like if anything, I was more stubborn in my beliefs because I was so annoyed that like I was being made to feel like I was this bad guy. Um, mm-hmm. And so I totally understand. This is the thing. Like I totally understand the anger that conservatives have, but I oh, think yeah, that it's extremely like limited in your mindset. Like your only mindset is that like, There's nothing bad in the world except for being oppressed because of the beliefs that I have. And then Mm -hmm. I feel like when I went to college, um, i.e. like Kool-Aid Central, according to my family. But in reality, like in reality, you just get exposed to people who live differently than you and do not have the same experiences as you whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So this can include people that I knew personally, Mm -hmm. as well as the classes I took. Yes, my gender and women's studies class opened my eyes a lot. It
0: <laughs> it's was a, a useful gl-
1: class, y'all. Go take it if you can. <clears throat> it was a global, I forget what it was called, but it was basically, I learned all about feminism in that class. Um, but it was so enlightening because it wasn't just about women either. It was about any group that faces any sort of oppression whatsoever. So Absolutely. women,
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: women, different races other than white people, different sexualities, all mm-hmm. of this stuff. And... I think another really important part of why I was able to like open my mind is because in high school, like I, nobody will like tell me that I'm right about this, but I think I was kind of a bitch in high school. And I think that <laughs> like going to college, I did not make many friends at first besides my roommate. And I think mm-hmm. that really like humbled me. And I think I just became a nicer person. The people that I met in college were much more um, nice, I guess. I felt like. It was a less judgmental environment, and so I slowly became like less judgmental and just a nicer person. And then,
0: absolutely, yeah.
1: And then that semester, the semester after, I started taking those classes. That like, thank God, I was in that open mindset um, to learn mm-hmm. new things because I think mm-hmm. that if that if those two things hadn't have happened, I could still be like Caitlin Bennett the second right now. I, but I wasn't, I wouldn't, I don't know, like I would still have those beliefs, but I wouldn't be the type of conservative to like, go out and be like,
0: right. all you liberals and, are going to hell. And we also, we also definitely are guilty of um, stereotyping a lot of um, Republican cursivism. but there's also like just different types of Republicans and conservatives that aren't really in support of Trump, that they, they kind of feel like they are a little bit silenced at, at one point because they don't want Trump to be the person to represent who they are. But you really don't have a choice because it's really it's really just him or Pence, who is who is arguably probably worse because he is much more sinister. Well, look at look at what's
1: what's happening now with the Supreme Court nominee, like they're pushing her through so fast and like she's going to get nominated tomorrow night. And so she's the person that conservatives want in office. And that is Mm -hmm. why they're putting up with Trump shit is because they can use him or, you know, Mm -hmm. he's doing things that are in favor of what they want and so like why would they go against that you know and Mm -hmm. he probably just gained the vote of a lot of republicans who don't really like him that much because who knows what he could do for them in the next four years
0: yeah yeah it's going to be a very stressful time in our country um but we really have no choice but to do what we can um, go out vote and also make very informed choices when it comes to voting for who we want to be a representative for like what we want and also uh, what are some of our political ideologies that are being like properly represented and not just like we're not settling for less we definitely don't want to settle for less even though it really really feels like that right now. Um, and also, like, sorry, I just have to going. I just have to go back because, like, this image keeps disrupting my thought. You said that. You said that college is a Kool Aid central. All I'm thinking about <laughs> is just like me being in the middle of lecture, and then the Kool Aid man just bursts into the room saying, "Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> oh yeah!"
1: Yeah, it's very insulting, and it's it's so funny to me. This is the last, I feel like I've been going on and on about my stupid political awakening, even though it is a very important, and like I wouldn't be who I am today if it weren't for it, but. Um, it's so ironic to me that like my stepdad before I even went to college, he was like, just your job is to just get through it and like, not let what they say, like change your opinion at all. Oh man. (laughs) And then, yeah. So obviously I did not do that. I failed. Um, but. (laughs) Oh, was my point. Oh, now that I am where I am, I used to feel so much like back and forth. Like I felt like I was being tugged in one direction by my family and another direction by like what I was learning about the world. And it was so stressful for me. Like any time I would try to have a conversation, I would go to my mom and be like, "Tell me why this thing that I just heard at school is wrong." Like I'm so, like conflicted because I mm-hmm. want to side with them because what they're saying sounds more, honestly, like more compassionate and more understanding. And mm-hmm. she was like, "No." And so like she would help me like come back to the conservative side. So if anything, I was being brain like I feel I felt more brainwashed as. Being conservative, quote unquote, than I do now, having formed my own opinions from the mm-hmm. things that I've seen either learned academically or seen on social media, seen in real right. life.
0: Yeah. I definitely can. Um, I definitely want to say thank you for being able to like you know bring this story up to the surface and like talk about it because um, there's definitely a lot of people out there that are just like you where um, they are currently on the fence in terms of like political leaning and you know it just feels so draining to grow up in a political background that you, you don't feel like you identify as anymore, you know, especially since like you, you see, you try your best to do your own research, but we also easily fall prey into confirmation bias where we just grasp at what we want to believe instead of actually recognizing that there are other conflicting or even more compelling information that might actually want to bring us to the other side. You know, I sometimes catch myself um, facing these kinds of like feelings too, especially when I try to understand Um, Republicans or like the conservatives point of view and even though I empathize with a lot of their um, traditional views that they want to like upkeep it just really doesn't ring a uh, it doesn't like really ring true for me Um, like a lot of the views that I have just don't align with them but I can now understand where they're coming from and like it definitely um, makes me have a more i would say like a more just and non-biased eye when it comes to approaching a lot of different political um stuff and a lot of policies especially during like voting season where we have to fill in a ballot and we have to look at uh, whether or not we support these propositions or whether or not we support these candidates and um who they uh like what they stand for and like what they represent it's definitely a very harrowing and draining process and i cannot imagine going through that for like you know a few years as opposed to just a few hours while i was filling in the ballot
1: (laughs) yeah it's definitely not fun i mean my mom is like arguably my best friend and Mm -hmm. she and i don't see eye to eye on pretty much anything well it's hard because we do see eye to eye on a lot like our morals are the same and she's a great Mm -hmm. person and i am not shitty and so (laughs) you're a great person sarah thank you i do really feel like a lot of it is like miss communications between the two Mm -hmm. sides. And I think that miscommunication stems from like experiences or like people's perspectives and how open they are to hearing perspectives that aren't their own. Mm -hmm. I really feel like...
0: I promise okay. you I will edit that out. But um, Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, okay. I, I definitely do agree with what you just said. Um, Too bad our listeners can't really listen to what we just said but um there's there's also there's a there's also a lot of um misunderstandings and miscommunications that just really just as you said come from because we were just raised differently the level of diversity that we have when we live in are like completely different from like between political backgrounds and i can say for sure that um if i were to like come to the u.s when i'm my age right now There's a lot of things that I might vote um, conservatively or like like Republican leaning, not because I'm a conservative Republican. I'm far from that now, but because when I came from Taiwan, Taiwan is such a um, it's such like a mono ethic group. You don't see a lot of people from different ethnicities in Taiwan. Like like America has this beautiful thing called diversity in um, hmm. certain areas, and diversity really truly brings that empathy out of you because you you start to understand why certain groups are doing are struggling and certain groups are doing much much better. You know, right. it's it's a it's a combination of like history it's a combination of social economic status like education background a lot of systemic you know biases and like systemic racism that really comes into play when it comes to these kinds of things and ever since i like started to listen and i started to have conversations with people that have different backgrounds than me i start to understand much much better um how diversity plays into um, american politics and like how big a thing it is um when it comes to like voting and stuff yeah diversity is such a huge thing and like we really need to pay attention to it better absolutely yeah and like it's so it's i feel like it's a little bit too much to ask a lot of people to say oh you need to be more empathetic you need to think about other people because sometimes they feel like even their own people are being attacked or like being quote-unquote oppressed for like who they want to believe and like um what they want to like what what their opinions are um probably because like they've never really faced actual oppression. Yes. I'm going to say it out. 100%. Like they, the the most oppression they've had was probably like a dirty look from someone when they say that they support a party. And know? that's but not... they, I don't I don't yeah, they've never been harassed or like even killed because of just what they look like, you know. Or That's um, yeah. 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 There's... Like, at least like historically speaking, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's no Okay, so when somebody doesn't like what you said because it's extremely like ignorant and naive and very lacking in perspective to, to -hmm. say the least, you're not being oppressed. You're just facing criticism and criticism is not the same as like not having fundamental rights that everyone else does. And like, Mm -hmm. like straight wealthy white men are never going to have laws that like didn't think of them like when they Mm -hmm. were made, like all of our laws, especially all the laws that this country was founded on were only thinking about like landowning white cis men obviously cis mm-hmm. because they didn't even like transgenderism was like not even on the the landscape for these people but
0: yeah mm-hmm. it's like
1: i just get very annoyed yeah and i definitely have people multiple people in my family who think that yeah they think that they've experienced this oppression because they've never even faced anything remotely close to actual oppression yeah, so. I
0: gotta say though, I was I felt, and I'm not being sarcastic in any sense. Um, I'm I'm like genuinely very happy that I got to have that conversation with um my semi quote unquote Trump supporting. Yeah, you're a rock star. It was no, it was like it was a really really eye opening experience and um thankfully, she was very open-minded and she was willing to have conversations with me, even when I brought up a lot of things that made her um, slightly uncomfortable. Like, there's this one time um, she said that, oh, like, um... Like people say that Roe versus Wade isn't like is going to get overturned uh, because like Trump is in office, blah, blah, blah. And like she said that that's not going to happen because it's already passed as a like a constitution or whatever. And I asked her, why do you think people why do you think the Republican Party are pushing so hard to push like Amy Coney Barrett into the Supreme Court? It's so that she can overturn a lot of these constitutions. Roe versus Wade included in that. And then she fell silent. Because I think she didn't consider the fact that she didn't put two and two together. And then she didn't realize that the reason why any colony Barrett has to get into office because of um, these reasons and maybe other reasons that we don't even know of, you know. Affordable Care Act. Yeah. And like she's a she's a science major, too. So I was genuinely surprised when she says she um, she thinks that Trump needs to, you know, get like he, he needs to like get more slack or whatever. Um, and I asked her if she knew about the Paris Climate Accord. And she says she doesn't know what that is. So, so, so in a sense, I'm just like I, I, I'm pretty sure you're not actually a Trump supporter. You're just very, you just have very little political source of information, and you are only able to get your information and your opinions basically inherited from your parents, yes. who doesn't even talk about politics with her that often. Yes. Know? So, yeah, I was I was so happy that I got to have these conversations with her. Um, On one account, I asked her how she felt about um, these conversations that we have. And she said that she feels uncomfortable because she doesn't like to feel stupid, even when I question her uh, whether or not she knows a certain policy or not. And I made a point to tell her that feeling stupid and being stupid are completely different things. Feeling stupid is probably the smartest thing anyone can do, you know? Wow. Because, like, when you feel stupid, it means that you are reflecting on your own opinions and like what you know, and you are actually like, you know, you're putting yourself in a very vulnerable position, but it's also the best position where you can learn. Yep. Oh my gosh, Lily, and you're so right.
1: You are so (laughs) right. And that, that's like part of it too, is like, I was gonna say that um, she, what she's saying totally sounds like what I used to do. Like I told you I would, you know, have a belief and then I, that belief would be contradicted when I went to Mm -hmm. school and learned something. And then yeah. I didn't know where to go from there because all I knew was mm-hmm. that one little belief. Mm-hmm. And so then I would go like, mommy, tell me what to tell me what to
0: think. You would you would feel cornered, right? You would feel yes. like um, you, you would feel like people are attacking you. And like they're just trying to like, you know, strangle you because you have opinions that are different from them.
1: But yeah. but when
0: you so my yeah, my point was like, I think that
1: that was me being like saying things, saying talking points and then like not knowing anything like like I didn't have a political belief system. I just had like little you know, thoughts here and there that were like not interconnected. Whereas now I think that like this whole group of information that I've gotten just from like the last couple of years being exposed to different things, yada, yada, yada. I think that that has helped me. Like when I have an argument with someone, I know where to go from there because I don't just have those little beliefs here and there. And that is part of like feeling like yeah exactly like you said you feel like you're being backed into a corner but mm-hmm. that is i think that is one of the things that helped her the fact that she said that like she felt stupid mm-hmm. that is like a sign that she is able to i don't know like yeah reconsider what she was saying
0: i I absolutely appreciated her saying that because like she was being vulnerable with me and she wanted to yeah. you know she wanted to really understand where i'm coming from because i um i also asked her i'm just like oh there's this one point we talked about something and i feel like i made a pretty good point and i was expecting a counterpoint from you but you didn't reply to um what i had to say and um i i asked her a little i kind of like probed into a little bit asking like oh whether or not she felt like i was attacking her like if she she felt uncomfortable um and didn't know what to say um because i wanted to make her i want to let her know that i wasn't like gloating, saying that, oh, ha, 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 like, I finally, like, caught you in a corner, whatever, like, that's not what my intention was, my intention was completely, like, in a, it sounds mean when I say that, but I'm basically putting through a political gauntlet, where, I want her to understand whether or not she has facts that can support what she believes in. And, I, and I'm not right. saying that, like, oh, you have to be Democrat or you have to be liberal. When I have these conversations with her, I'm not trying to convince her to, like, switch sides. But I'm trying to tell her, because she is very new to the political world and, like, you know, in this, sol- in this day of age, we have to be very informed. Um, despite our age, which is, like, considered relatively young compared to, like, other voters. I feel like it's our responsibility to be as informed as possible and we have to be able to back up what we believe in because if we can't then like there's no point in us believing what we want to believe in you know if for yeah. like a really good story I would say is um so I had this class in uh um uh, my agriculture intro to grad class or whatever and I have this professor who is um a very well spoken very intelligent professor he taught he he was telling us a lot about um like you know how to get um, primary source information and um, how that has shaped what we know about science and at one point he told us there's also times where science has been wrong and that's actually pretty often we we often try to you know make correlation into like a causation thing and like that off that obviously happens and like we kind of have no choice but to believe in it up until we were able to find something that counters that right mm-hmm. and um I'm, i don't know if you're like you're familiar with this but um just, just in case, like, anyone isn't, um, we were talking about uh, genetically modified foods, right? So GMOs. And GMOs have obviously always been a very controversial topic for a lot of people. You know, some people, like, are definitely afraid of GMOs. They think GMOs are really bad. They, ca- they cause cancer, whatever. And then, like, there are people that support GMOs saying that, you know, they do good. They um, they increase, like, nutritional content. And they, like, they are uh, one of the ways that we can help solve world hunger or like at least you know be be a solution to that and um in that class uh this professor he's he showed us this paper and it's a it's one of the most revolutionary papers about gmos um as we know of which is talking which is them trying to prove that gmos are actually harmful so what they did is they got these um lab rats these sprog dolly rats um very common um in like you know like animal science or like very common in a lot of these um these like animal involving experiments and what they did is they fed rats um either a normal diet without any gmos or they fed the rat a diet where it's just a hundred percent nothing but gmo corn first of all a hundred percent (laughs) gmo corn is just already a bad diet like i do it sometimes i eat like corn like (sighs) corn straight out of the can and i feel like shit afterwards um you say you eat corn
1: syrup out of the can
0: I, I eat like corn straight out of a can. Okay, corn. I thought you said corn syrup. I was like gonna bring no, this no, podcast a No, 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 oh, God, no, 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 corn, corn kernel, corn kernels. Okay, okay that's yeah, fine. Okay, <laughs> I, I'll can accept you imagine that. <laughs> me just like taking out a metal straw and just start. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, I respect that it's not a plastic straw though. Mm, it's a metal straw, but uh okay. So, um and what that research that paper showed was that. Uh, these sprock dolly -Dolly rats, they got, um, they had like cancerous tumor, like lethal tumors starting growing um, much sooner than than rats that had um, the normal diet. And it was peer reviewed too. So like it got published and then everyone was like saying, everyone was freaking out. They're all panicking, saying that GMOs are bad. Until a while later, they realized that they had a um, a mistake in the uh, in the experiment where Sprague dolly rats just naturally develop tumors over time. They're just very naturally easily like they, they don't they don't they're not really good at tumor suppressing basically. So and it doesn't really matter what you feed them; they'll eventually get tumors and die. And during that class period, I shifted from oh shit, our GMOs actually harmful, back to oh thank god GMOs are not actually harmful. <laughs> like our minds are so fickle. And we are so willing to like at least for me, for my case, I was so willing to like change my opinion on GMOs based on that one peer reviewed paper that got retracted. You know? But um thankfully thankfully I was able to reflect on that moment and tell myself that if that is actually the case, I need to do more research and see how many papers supported the the um the fact that GMOs are like yeah like very helpful versus like, you know, this this Um, This idea that GMOs are really bad for you, and I felt like that was a really good teaching moment for myself because then I knew that I was able, I had to like really, really be willing to put in that effort to learn about what I want to believe in, you know. And I told, I I told her, I told my coworker, my my fake Trump supporter coworker about this, (laughs) and um, she, she, I don't think she got the point quite so. Because she said that, like, oh, but, like, people can believe what they want to believe. But I'm just like, but it's not, you can't really believe what you want to believe if there are factual evidence pointing against yeah, what you believe. That's just, like, denial at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, She also talked about, like, how she's, like, she's not really sure that climate change or, like, global warming was caused by humans. But I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> I think that, that's a conversation for another day.
1: Yeah, that I know. We already this is already becoming like the politics chat with Lillian and Sarah. <laughs> but yeah, to kind of so what you were saying about that uh paper reminded me of basically like pivoting a little bit to like science chat. Um I think that it's really important for people to remember that like science is not like we see science as this black and white thing, but it's mm-hmm. like absolutely not black and white. And it's funny cuz the the lab that I taught for the last 3 weeks I think of my cell biology lab we started off each lecture with talking about the scientific method and I really wanted to drive the message home to my students that like just because you find something in a in a research experiment doesn't mean that it's absolutely true because there's so mm-hmm. many things that can happen especially when you're working with living things they're different all the time They've, they they yeah. vary from second to second day to day week to week yeah. um and that's why it's so important that First of all, you don't say that your hypothesis was true or false. You just say like our our evidence supports this yeah. or mm-hmm. we reject this notion or this idea is weakly supported or it's strongly supported. And then, you know, if something is found over and over again, then we can say we we still can't say it's true, but we can say like evidence strongly points to the idea that GMOs are not harmful or whatever you find. And so I mm-hmm. think that that like I I feel like I'm talking a lot about science education, but um I think it's important to teach people early in science that like-
0: Yes, yeah. And and I, um and, and also like a lot of people have used this as like a counter argument to not believe in science because they say like, oh, but like science can be wrong. And like it has proven to be wrong at times saying that like, oh, like if you eat too many eggs, you'll get like high cholesterol, like, oh, GMOs are bad. But I think what they're trying, I think like what they're not considering is the fact that sciences and like a lot of the research that like heart sciences, okay, I would say like STEM at least like STEM science. STEM science works on the basis of laws, laws of nature. And laws of nature are just laws of nature. You cannot really like spin them in a way that supports your supports your political opinions. Because like, you know, law like nature doesn't have a political leaning. Despite how, yeah. how hard they want to think that Democrats and like liberals are, you know, for science and then like um Republicans and Conservatives are like anti science. Like even though we see that trend going on nature itself does not have a political meaning and um we have to be forgiving when it comes to these like scientific errors because even when it's when even when science is wrong it's not because we're trying to be harmful or we're trying to like you know bring harm to society you know we have like the anti-vax movement stemming because this one guy that's that guy is an anomaly like he actually made this paper because he wanted to make money off of like his own vaccine to like you know prevent autism or whatever um but like in general a lot of these peer is- and like that's why peer review is so important you know like peer-reviewed science yeah. um means that we have a lot of scientists just trying our best to bring the other scientists down not because of like any um like financial gain or whatever it's really solely because we're trying to do our best to educate society and ourselves and like see what other discoveries can be made you know and um we can see that actually in uh, during our COVID nineteen pandemic, you, we see a lot of conflicting information, it's like going back and forth, saying, "Oh, should we wear a mask? Should we not wear a mask?" And like Dr. Fauci has always, and like Dr. Fauci has always said that he was like, "Oh." We are current. We are trying to update you as much as we can because coronavirus is a novel virus that we know very little about. So whenever we get new information, we have to adjust accordingly. It's not because we're trying to confuse the uh, the like the society or like the um, we're not trying to confuse uh, people that are trying to like stay healthy. It really is because we know so little about this, and we're trying to get the best information out possible as soon as we can. So like yeah. obviously conflicting information would occur, especially during these like very time crunching moments. Where we just don't have a lot of time yeah, to inform the exactly. public the correct, like scientific, um, like logic and like concepts, you know.
1: Yeah, I mm-hmm. I had a family member tell me that, um, and it was again like the climate change idea. He was like, "Well, you know, like scientists are highly motivated by like their funding, and you can't you can't do science unless you have funding." And so mm-hmm. I really think that his point he was trying to beat around the bush, but his point was that, um, that scientists have somehow 97 percent of scientists have some have somehow colluded to spew this untrue conspiracy theory about Mm -hmm. the nature of our climate on this world on this Mm -hmm. planet because Mm -hmm. they're getting funded by who who would who would even fund that (laughs) wouldn't it be more likely that oil companies would fund anti-climate change research Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so that really just annoyed me because yeah like you said like you have to go through a peer review which is pretty brutal um speaking from experience Mm -hmm. and (laughs) and you also have to state conflicts of interest too you have to state who you're funded by and you have to state Mm -hmm. any potential conflicts of interest and Mm -hmm. the fact that science is so like criticism based is what makes it more authentic than a lot of things that can yeah. potentially you know like other other occupations that are more of echo chambers that aren't really yeah. checked for their science science
0: has science has to be as re, like reliable as possible just like our courts and like our laws and like everything else that goes with it has to be as honest as possible you know like when people testify they have to be honest and like that's like when scientists also have to be as honest as possible and we also do have a lot of different ways that we we do to like make sure that the scientist is genuinely being honest and like saying the, the best that they can to de- deduce the the results as best as they can based on like the data that they get you know yep
1: yeah. yeah so it's been very discouraging this has been a not this has been an l year for scientists because oh yeah people no, are just bad. like wow you guys don't know what you're doing do you do we wear a mask do we not wear a mask i don't know what the answer is anymore and it's like dude you weren't gonna wear a mask either way so can you just like go do whatever <laughs> you were doing before and that's that's like i don't care if you if you want to be the most uneducated person on the face of this planet like do it that is totally cool but don't go around saying things as if they're fact when you have no basis for what you're saying you just want that thing Mm -hmm. to be true like Mm -hmm. i saw a TikTok where the this lady was like uh kids are getting strep throat because they're wearing masks and the moisture in their masks is causing them to have strep throat
0: Ew, that's some nasty-ass moisture mouth.
1: (laughs) I'm like, how does your mask spontaneously uh, produce streptococcal, whatever bacteria it is? Like, you can't (laughs) spontaneously make a bacteria. They have to replicate and infect other people. And so, obviously, this doctor on TikTok, like, Ripped her a new one. It was so funny. Like the first part of her argument, she's sitting down in all her PPE and she like takes off the gloves, (laughs) takes off the mask, (laughs) takes off the goggles. And she's like, listen here. (laughs) And I just felt her anger.
0: She's like, I can't deal with this anymore. Oh, my God. I saw this. um, I saw this like Twitter. I saw this tweet not too long ago it was probably like a really old tweet but like i just saw it and like it cracked me up so much it's like um scientists back in like the early 2000s saying hey guys we cloned the sheep and we're probably going to make a hoverboard at this point point." and then like the next one is like t- like scientists in 2020 for the last time the earth is round
1: <laughs> oh my gosh fun fact um the only celebrity i share my birthday with is dolly the sheep Oh no way. I think it's the exact I'm not sure if if she was born 9, ninety six, July fifth, ninety six, or july fifth, ninety seven. But that's pretty cool. I already yeah, outlived a... her. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sarah wants sheep zero. I know, I know. I know clones can't live for that long. I'm sorry, that was really insensitive.
0: <laughs> it's okay. I mean like they'll just clone another one of her, right? That's true. Oh yeah.
1: yeah, cloning's yeah. whack.
0: Clothing's a a really interesting thing and also like um ethics and science oh yeah yeah if we don't have ethics and science we have so many doofenshmirtz in the world
1: yeah i know it's so funny like i i always tell people like the more i get into science like the less i know about things (laughs) and that just means because i because like i went into science thinking it was gonna be super black and white and it is really like it's not Mm -hmm. it's not at all like, mm-hmm, and ethics yeah. are really important in science, so it's not just, you know, doing the science work, it's also, Yeah, um, because we all know what happened,
0: people. we all, we all know what happened when we, uh, did science without an ethics board, you
1: know. Oh god, yeah. 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 Bad things, really bad things.
0: hmm yeah, it was awful, but, um, also, like, uh, even on a, on a smaller scale, when I first joined biology, I was always fed this idea, or, like, at least, like, this is, like, how I, um, how I interpreted biology before I like went to college was that oh like biology is just a bunch of memorization of like other people ma- making discoveries yada yada until I started joining um an undergrad research lab and I realized that sometimes bio just does things and we don't know why and yep. sometimes they just do it because they want to and we're just and we have no po- we have no choice but to just be like all right I guess you're just gonna do this and we I guess we you're just gonna mess up our entire research project that's totally fine <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's very humbling. That's how I knew for sure that I loved research was because I was not doing well. Like my research was not
0: going well and I was like, I love this. <laughs> God, if I if I can only translate that to my admissions committee and be like, look, 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 look. I, I didn't get shit grades because I was a bad student. I got shit grades because I was just <laughs> completely enamored by the uncertainty biology has. <laughs> but I don't think they're taking that. <laughs> I was talking
1: to my um, one of my thesis panel members mm. I was just mm. I went to her office and we just like got to know each other and we were talking about how it's like an it's like a high when you get something done that like is supposed to go well and you're like yes yeah. it feels so good yeah. even if you've had like 50 failures before that and then you yeah. just that's like what keeps you in it even though it's
0: like 98% failure it's so <laughs> it's so intoxicating when you finally figure out like maybe a billionth part of one of how nature works yep
1: you're like I'll take this as a success
0: it's just such a wild thing you know it's like shooting the dark almost um my my undergrad research felt like a shoot in the dark because like we just don't know what genes play what role and um in how plants age and like i still feel that to this day um and i was so grateful i was so grateful that i was able to like um join that undergraduate lab with you and um and the rest of the lab ladies you know it was a really fun time
1: I had to recount to the same uh professor who's on my committee. I she was asking how basically how I got here. And I was like, <laughs> it's
0: been a series
1: of like very off the cuff decisions, which is so unlike me. Like usually I have analysis paralysis and I can't make a decision and it takes me like 4 months to make a decision about something. But joining <laughs> our undergraduate lab mm-hmm. was like like a uh something of the moment. Like like really Spur- sudden. Of the moment. Thank you. Wow. Uh, joining our <laughs> undergraduate lab was such a spur-of-the-moment choice for me. It was basically like, oh, I have to write this undergraduate thesis. I guess I should start doing research since I have a biology. I'm trying to get a biology degree. would make sense yeah. to join a biology lab. And so I joined, and then it completely changed the trajectory of my career. I wanted to do mm-hmm. forensic science stuff. And then our lovely PI was like, oh, and by the way, you should go to grad school. And I was like, what? And then... Yeah. Here I am in grad school. So Mm -hmm. I am so thankful for that because yeah, if I had stayed on my path, I don't know where I'd be and I definitely wouldn't know you guys. So. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I was having a blast um, just trying to think of research questions because my current PI was really nice enough. She was just like, I'm not going to give you a research project. You're going to think of one on your own, which (laughs) is like really stressful on its own just because like, God, research questions are so, it's truly like a leap of faith almost if you just are in a completely new field because my background is cell biology and I'm currently in an ag plant science program so like it's it's a it's a lot that I have to like do research on but um sometimes when I like think of a question I I definitely catch myself thinking about research questions a lot more often now and sometimes I would just like be in the um, be in the shower randomly, and I'll just think of something. And I like I have to make a decision whether or not I burst out naked, writing down the science question, or I pray yeah. to myself that I actually remember when I like you know turn off the water and like like dry my hair and all that. Um, so, long story short, I now decide that I would rather be naked and write down my research questions <laughs> than dry my then hair. Forgetting. Yeah, <laughs> than forgetting. Yeah, that's. Um, I was gonna add something
1: to that, but I forgot what it was. Oh, it's so it's so hard to like change our minds so I feel like the first half of our science education in undergrad you're like just trying to learn stuff and like almost memorize it so that you can pass exams because don't even get me started on how like introductory biology Mm -hmm. classes are a weeding out situation and you're potentially Mm -hmm. weeding out fantastic researchers because you're you're testing people based on exam taking capabilities which is not the same Mm -hmm. as being a good researcher yeah but I think that the first half of your education you're so like rigid in what you're trying to learn and then and then when you get to grad school they're like now you need to think abstractly so go have fun with that and so i Mm -hmm. think it's so it's it's difficult in and of itself to like change your mindset to like i need to think about like open ended questions and there's so many questions how do i know which ones are the good ones to ask so that's like a
0: feat in and of itself but jokes on my undergrad i never was a good student i was always a better lab rep so
1: Yeah, because, okay, imagine (laughs) Lillian that you had not been able to like pass those classes, but you're still like a fantastic researcher. I've seen your lab notebooks. I've taken care of your plans. Your lab (laughs) notebook is beautiful. Like obviously you you have a researcher mind. So it makes me so angry that like our exams for introductory, introductory classes are not like reflective of what you actually need to succeed as a scientist, you know?
0: Yeah, and and it's, like, so frustrating to me back in the day, but, like, I also have to be a little bit honest. I definitely put a lot more emphasis on research than I did studying. I feel like if I actually, like, put my time down to study and, like, sacrifice a little bit of my research time, I would have been a much better student, and, like, I would would probably have a much more impressive GPA. Like, I'm going to be honest, like, I graduated my GPA with, like, a 3.0, 3.1, and it's, like, it's kind of low for PhD program standards and like it's like okay for like master's student standards. But um, like it was just such a discouraging moment for me because I, I truly at one point tied my self-worth with what my GPA was, you know. And like I, I catch a lot of my friends doing similar things where they would say like, oh, like my GPA sucks, like I'm not a good student. But I, I always held on to the belief that being a researcher is completely different than being a student. But they're also like kind of like the same coin, just different sides. Because when you're a researcher, you have to be a good student, you know, but not the type of student that would probably succeed in a very rigid academic setting.
1: Yeah. We have have curriculum.
0: Yeah. No, go ahead.
1: You definitely have to like know things like you have to know about like mitosis and meiosis and oh absolutely yeah and evolution and stuff but mm-hmm. i don't think you should have been i think there should be a better system where like you weren't penalized because you liked research you know what i mean like mm-hmm. that happens when you get into research that you really like all you want to do is that and that is so much better for like a developing scientist brain than like sitting at home and reading a textbook like i yeah i was better i'm a better textbook learner student like i can memorize stuff and regurgitate it and then forget about it that comes easier to me than like doing critical thinking in a research setting but since I but since I love research so much I'm like okay I'm just gonna like power through and like do my best to be better at this
0: yeah yeah Mm -hmm. I always love those um, open-ended like extra credit questions in our biology Mm -hmm. exams because they will be like oh we have this data and then we have this thing and we have this phenomenon can you tell us more about what your hypotheses would be or like oh what the outcome you speculate would have and like I always get those extra credit questions like no problem and I was wish I was like hoping I was praying so hard that there would be one day where the exam would be mostly open-ended questions and like Professors would put more. Um, they would like grade based on like how creative or like how accurate our answers would be, as opposed to like, oh, here is a multiple choice question and um, just see like which page of the textbook do you remember you can find yes, this information on. That's so terrible. I'm
1: just like, oh god. The questions should all be those open ended questions. Like my, mm-hmm. I'm taking biochem again because mm-hmm. my PI told me to take biochem,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and our exams are all conceptual and it's like a big giant research question. Or like research experiment and there's five parts of it so the first part is like it was about tardigrades as well for Ooh. those of you listening at home please look up what tardigrades are they're these amazing little organisms
0: they're also known um, as water bears right
1: yeah and a bunch yeah, of other they're really they're so cool cute. names too I'm yeah they're so cool so like the first question was telling you about tardigrades and then um basically we learned mm-hmm. about like the central dogma dna to rna to protein so the first question mm-hmm. was talking about like the DNA structure of it and we had to do whatever. We had to design a way to synthesize the DNA and like fragment it and stuff. And then question two was the RNA part. So we had to like walk through the transcription and it was like, so I'm like, this is what science is about, baby. Mm -hmm. Like all -hmm. all exams should be like that for sure. And I think the problem is it's more time consuming to grade those and professors have limited amounts of time, but I think maybe, it should still be, you know,
0: maybe, maybe the professors can just not give us like 80 questions for one midterm. Maybe instead they can do two. <laughs> I think those, I think that would be a great break for uh, professors. You know,
1: I don't even Good. think exams are necessary. I think like a quiz at the end of every oh, week yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could even be something that you do at home. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think definitely quality over quantity in terms of assignments and exams.
0: Yeah yeah I don't know I tried so hard to like write in my uh in my personal statements I tried Mm. so hard to convey to a lot of these admission committees that um I'm I'm I promise I'm not a bad student I'm just a better researcher than I am a student whatever that whatever that um that standard is I'm just relatively better as a researcher than i am a student but like every time i write that in the paper it just sounds so much like i'm making up excuses being like oh i'm actually like you know so busy doing research that i didn't study as in fact like i'm actually probably like a really lazy student which is not the case i I study so hard hard. i don't know what the
1: i don't know what the answer is about admissions like i think more like i think the interview should be more heavily weighted than i think like almost all candidates should be interviewed because I think you can convey it's so hard to like summarize yourself and sell yourself in one page you know Mm -hmm. and then yeah and then for people who don't have a perfect CV you just spend the whole time being like I promise I'm not as shitty as I come off and it's so messed up (laughs) because like you are a good researcher and you had research experience and yeah it's just messed up
0: it's okay As I, mean, like, I, I, I am in my i'm in my element now where research is more valued than coursework so i'm i'm doing yes. really really well and i'm very happy i just i'm now i'm just really really eager to get into the actual research because right now we are at the um the brainstorming stage and then we will embark on a hopefully very short proposal journey and then we will <laughs> start the long journey of actually doing the experiments and then like actually finding tangible results that will be amazing if i can get tangible results i'll be chef's kiss i will be the most beautiful thing ever yeah but up until like like until then i'll just have to be very patient with myself and also um like oh god bless my pi by the way she is one of the best like people i know both of my pis that have shaped me for who i am like my undergrad pi is the best and i love her so much i i owe everything to her i owe absolutely everything to her without her i probably wouldn't even be in science you know without her i probably wouldn't even be in science yeah yeah so we need to we need to grab We need to buy her dinner sometime i know seriously after after the pandemic yeah
1: that is so funny because that was one of my two questions that I have not been able to ask you yet was how your <laughs> program is going. But I'm so happy that your PI is the way that she is. Like, she sounds perfect. And I love that she is having you, like, think of questions because you're going to be, like, a better researcher for it. And mm-hmm. you're going to grow way more as a scientist if as opposed to her just kind of giving you a project to do
0: yeah which by itself is already kind of like a beast too because um you have to like place so much catch up to uh to understand like where the project is at this point yeah 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 so like you yeah, know research research is fun <laughs> y'all should do it more
1: <laughs> i know that's yeah. crazy so yeah next uh i don't know how it is for you but uh i propose my i do my proposal next semester so i feel like oh, this shit. winter i'm gonna be Ooh. getting ready for that so i actually know what the heck i'm saying
0: <laughs> that's very exciting and i would like if it's not too much trouble i would love to hear what your proposal is
1: i think i, I totally to think that we should share our ideas with each other because oh, yeah. that would be that'd be really helpful for me to be able to like run it by mm-hmm. science brain people mm mm-hmm
0: yeah i there's this one thing there's this one thing that we did um with um with our other lab lady member and she was like telling us about her um her presentation right and she was like going through her presentation with us i it just cracked me up so much how much um influence and how much like knowledge we have gained since um since we did our undergrad research because at one point she was giving us like these uh these like weird bar graph data that like she also personally didn't agree with and then at the end We all had the same question. We're just like, is that actually statistically significant? Because Mm. they look kind of the same.
1: (laughs) I know. I love how I love how we all had the same foundation because we were all in the same lab, and then now we're all in different programs. And I love that I can come to you guys and explain stuff to you. And it's not like like when I try to explain stuff to my family, I'm so thankful that they care about what I'm doing. But it is really hard to like go from the lay person perspective Mm -hmm. and say like, okay, like what where do I need to start in order to like explain this. And for you right. guys, it's kind of like reading a paper where you need to know the the general idea of it so you get it from the introduction and then you can like kind of delve into the mm-hmm. information. Mm-hmm.
0: And, but, our, yeah. and our and <laughs> our our friend's paper actually like helped me in a clutch too because I completely forgot <laughs> about this one assignment where I had to do an article critique. And then uh, our <laughs> professor was like, oh, find a, find a questionable paper that you have Ooh. like data that you don't agree with. And I'm just like, oh, I know just a paper. <laughs> give me one second. Cause like I had to finish that in like less than two days. So I was like, all right, I'm, I'm gonna borrow that paper, please. <laughs>
1: That's perfect. I still need to get better at
0: critiquing papers. Cause every paper I read is just like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is great. I'm so glad I learned this. I, I catch myself doing that too. Cause um, I'm so ready to just give my brain a break and just kind of accept information for what they are. And um, thinking critically is a lot more time consuming and tiring than people think it would be. You yep. know? I, and also, it also makes me laugh a little bit because every time um, we like, either we apply for jobs or whatever, and they would ask like, oh, like what are some of your skills? And they say, oh, critical thinking. I'm just like, I don't, not to be mean, but I don't <laughs> think you realize what critical thinking actually means. Cause like there's there's a lot of jobs that also don't require critical thinking too. like you know, general problem solving is a part of critical thinking, but critical thinking also goes a little bit further than that.
1: And asking like,
0: oh, like, why is this question even asked, you know, or like, um, or like, oh, like, what are some ways that this could go wrong? And what are some potential ways that we can fix that potentially thing that might go wrong?
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I would say I'm a good problem solver, but you still Mm -hmm. have to give me that problem. And then I can think of stuff having to do with that problem and how it could be combated. But I'm not good at like, if somebody were to tell me, like, read this paper, and now tell me what the problem of it was, it would take me, mm. like, three hours. I would have to comb through it, and mm-hmm. then I would probably second-guess myself, like, whatever problem I came up with. I'm like, is
0: this, like, a yeah. legitimate problem, or am I just not understanding the paper? And I am so happy to tell you that is exactly what critical thinking is, and you are doing fantastic. <laughs> yeah, but I'm critically thinking
1: my lack of ability to critically think.
0: Hey, that's all we learned, you know? (laughs) Stay a little bit uncomfortable. I'm going to upgrade what Steve Jobs used to say about, like, was that, like, stay hungry or whatever. It's, like, stay uncomfortable, you know? Stay hungry. (laughs) Be be uncomfortable all the time because then you might learn something, you know? Yep. And always, like, I want
1: to be that 90-year-old who still thinks that they have things to learn from other people. Like, I don't want to be a 90-year-old who thinks that they know everything or even, Mm -hmm. like, a 60-year-old but mm-hmm. i that would be like the one thing that i the one quality that i would wish to have like for the rest of my life is like i don't know everything there's always something to learn my perspectives could be wrong because they're only based on what i've experienced and mm-hmm. don't make people feel badly for their for their for trying to like enlighten you and even in That's a little That's such bit a good
0: point though way. yeah like we we definitely should not have a stigma about people not knowing certain things cuz like we we are here i'm 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 going to be a little bit you know big brain third eye universe <laughs> thing but like we're we're on. brought we're brought to this world and like we get to experience things but i think it's a waste of time if we were to always gravitate towards back into our comfort zone and it would be a pretty miserable life if your comfort zone is just it just maintained the same size you know you can only expand your comfort zone if you are constantly uncomfortable yep Mhm.
1: i have to remember yeah. that too i i love my my cushy little my cushy little nerf life as daryl from the office used to say
0: girl me too so i need to i i I definitely do that too yeah
1: i definitely i I would like to that's like a reasonable goal that i think i could accomplish is like do one thing every week let's we'll start with week that makes me (laughs) uncomfortable that is like contributing something to Mm -hmm. either somebody else's understanding or my understanding
0: yeah yeah. And like I I've recently been I recently have discovered a really nice way to like systemically just give myself a dose of uncomfortableness every time like I want to do something uncomfortable. Honestly, it's just to read books that I never thought I would pick up. <laughs> yeah, that's good too. Yeah. yeah. Mine, just read, mine read about that one weird ass thesis that's like eighty pages long that no one will probably read. Yeah.
1: Mine would be listening to a Ben Shapiro podcast because he's always in the top charts like every mm-hmm. day or every day on the iTunes. Podcast list his his is up there, and so mm-hmm. the other one that I listen to, Pod Save America, which is like a bunch of Obama staffers, so obviously like liberal mm-hmm. um, they're they're at the top of the charts, but then the counterpart to them would be Ben Shapiro, and so I feel mm-hmm. like I need to listen to him so that I can understand the other side but But his voice is just so aggravating to me, and I also know what his arguments are going to be, so that 's why I tell myself like you don 't need to make yourself uncomfortable don 't listen but mm-hmm. I think I would be better off if I listened because it gives you, it gives you insight into like people who are on the opposite side of the spectrum from you. And honestly, like your story with your uh, hypothetical Trump supporter <laughs> person that you interacted with, mm-hmm. um, like you were able to, you might've been the person that like got her thinking, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah.
1: she could be like me like three years later. Um, I hope Totally so, different.
0: Yeah. yeah. She, she would have been a, if she if she does, like, you know, turn, then she would have been such an amazing person. Like you.
1: <laughs> yeah, she sounds a lot like me.
0: So that's why I'm saying, like, people like that you could definitely potentially reach. But mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, like, since you've bought up like, Ben Shapiro, have you seen any of the, uh, <laughs> the Abby Shapiro stuff?
1: Yes. Okay, I follow... Um, I'm plugging Dear Mr. Atheist. He goes by Jimmy Snow <laughs> now. But Jimmy Snow on YouTube um, mm-hmm. critiques her and other either Christian-centered or conservative uh thinkers yeah Mm -hmm. she's it is crazy how much she resembles ben shapiro but in woman format
0: (laughs) yeah because um i didn't know that classically abby was um ben shapiro's (laughs) sister so i i keep seeing her on my feet and i'm just like yeah dude dude i am an asian bisexual in a liberal democratic world why do i keep seeing her on my ad feed like i want to see kylie jenner and her kid not abby shapiro but and then i and then i was like i got curious curiosity got the better of me and i clicked i clicked on one of her videos and like the whole time i wasn't even paying attention to like whatever she was saying i just keep thinking it was like i feel like i've seen that face before where's she from what that smile. I've seen that smile before and they yeah, don't like it. It's <laughs> cool very that? weird. Very weird. And, I scrolled out, and then I scrolled out the comments and then it was like, wow, like Ben on a wig. I, that's crazy. I'm just like, oh, it's Ben Shapiro. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Apparently she was like working overtime in terms of ads because that was how she got on everyone's radar was that um, like on, on not conservative radar mm. because mm-hmm. people were like, why am I seeing this girl's uh, ads when I don't have any... <laughs> I don't identify hey, with her in any way, shape, look, or form.
0: Look, look, I I appreciate the hustle. Yeah, I don't like what she has to say, but I appreciate <laughs> the hustle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, with that, with that in mind, God, we're gonna end on Abby Shapiro, huh? We have reached the hour mark.
1: I know that's crazy. I'm sorry if this is just like a political rant, but I think we had some good. Oh conversations. no, it's
0: fine. It's fine. And like usually, um, I do plan on like having recurring guests so we can talk about. Either more political stuff or like something else. Um, next time, next time you come here and be a great guest.
1: That would be fabulous. It's been such an honor to be on this podcast. I am thrilled. Oh, wow. I think I, I think I helped with the, with the, with the
0: catchphrase for this podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. You. I would yes, like credit for give, that, please. I need to give credit where credit is due. <laughs> um. Let Let's see what we can drum up today. Is Coin by Sarah yours truly
1: you are the one you've pioneered it into this very um astute and very creative and very um productive at least in our circle we love this podcast I love this podcast I think what you've done is great and I'm of course honored to be here
0: I always enjoy um, editing this because like, I would go back and like listen to our, some of our conversations and um, I would be like, wow, my friends are so smart. They're making some really mm-hmm. good points here. You, know, you, like, bring oh, so you bring out the best in us. So. Oh, that's good. Kudos to you. Yeah. Do you like the jazz music and the intro and the outro? Yes. They're so cozy. so
1: <laughs> classy. I love it. I love
0: it. I love it. Yeah. hmm and uh so okay so um I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast but I do plan on like uploading the episode um every Monday. So hopefully we can keep that streak going. Uh I will probably bother a lot of my friends and be like, "Hey, can you be on a guest again?" cuz I really only have so many friends and I don't want to like <laughs> I will I don't be want here to make it to, whenever
1: you know. need me. Like monthly reoccurrence, <laughs> you. you got it. You'll you'll probably grow to regret it, but I'll still be here.
0: No, no, never. <laughs> never. No never yeah okay cool so uh we're going to end the podcast here and uh i'm gonna do my outro now all right after i pull up my script because i have a script all right well, that's all the time we have for today on the Chicken Drummies, where my friend Sarah and Knight just discussed Abby Shapiro and also <laughs> other political talk. Um, if you want to help out during the COVID-19 pandemic, wash your hands, wear your mask, consider donating money to your local food bank, the CDC, or a hospital of your choice. This has been Lillian from Chicken Drummies. Thank you for listening and have a jolly good quarantine. And that's it. Oh, We're done. Yeah.